0: You're listening to The Science of Superpowers with Tonya Dawn Reckler. Listen here, read the book, and dive into the experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Science of Superpowers. So glad to have you here. I'm Tonya Dawn Reckler, and I'm here with a fabulous guest, Ellen Tape. Ellen, you want to say hello to everyone? Hello, and I'm so glad to be here with you, Tonya. Uh, well, we're so glad to have you here. We're going to have this great conversation today all about the superpowers of successful women and and I, I and i dare say it's going to have a little bit of a twist right a lot of times we hear you know what are the traits of success and how do you be a good leader and all of these things and as we know over the years if you've been with us um it it changes and it's different and and it's different for all of us right we learn that that we're not all living in the same reality we're not all acculturated with the same belief structures and so we get to talk about that and say, okay, well, how did you do it? And did that work? And 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 what were the results when we tried this? And and I think as women, uh, in a lot of ways, we 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 enjoy that. I don't know if I do, if I'd say that we're naturally designed that way or if we're nurtured to be that way. But but what we do see is that is that in collaborative situations and stuff, oftentimes we'll see women being a little bit more ready to to share those stories and and to say hey th- this is what worked for me or or you can try this i see a real generosity of spirit when women come together in in the right containers in the right spaces with the right sort of goals and and um and energetics available to us there there's real brilliance that comes out of those spaces and not to leave anyone else out for sure but there's something really special in those spaces amongst women and so we're going to focus on that today Um, but certainly we can take these and extrapolate them out as successful tips for everybody Um, we're just using this the the container of successful women because that's ellen's specialty that's where she comes from she she talks about teaches uh, trains on women, leadership, culture. And, and I believe that one of the things that the pandemic really highlighted for all of us was this um, great call, this res- um, readiness for different voices in leadership positions, for different perspectives. Um, and, and, and some of those are women. Where we We're looking at where women haven't been um, part of that dialogue certainly. I come from the military, government, even academia sides of things, where um, a lot of times we were left out of the the equation and the initial creation of things. Um, and and it makes for a really interesting environment to work in, to survive in, to uh, and to thrive in. And so, as we allow more of those voices to come forward, we get to see things differently, and we are all bettered because of it. We all get to grow and expand because of it, and learn from each other. And so. That's why I'm really excited about today's conversation, and we're going to learn a lot more about Ellen as we go through the dialogue, but the first thing we're going to learn about her is what are your superpowers, Ellen, and how are you using them for good?
1: I think that my superpowers include seeing the potential in other people, especially when they don't see it, and and I I use that as I teach a part of the leadership class I teach. I also coach the students. I use that in the women's leadership programming that I do. And I also use that as a board director where I'm, I'm helping to, to guide a company or help a new CEO uh, as well. And I think in addition to that, I would say listening. And listening with curiosity and openness is, is another superpower. And my last one, I would say, is courage, courage to move forward into action, especially when I'm afraid, you Brilliant. know, or feeling
0: doubtful. Oh, fabulous. And and all of those encompass to, to create a really beautiful container from which you get to to teach from, to speak from, to coach from. Um, and, and you do that in a number of capacities that you just named. I love that you mentioned boards because we, you know, the 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 board positions are really that that kind of driving force behind it, the energetics behind an organization, what supports it. Um, I, I have the, the honor and the privilege of being um, a member of the board of directors of the local YWCA here in, in the Phoenix Metro area whose mission is to eliminate racism and empower women. And it, and it's a board of all women. And um, big shout out to them, because they they're really breaking open what's possible when we look at how we gather and how we communicate. And so I really appreciate that you brought that forward, because we don't always think about those positions of, um, um, in particular, as women, a lot of times, we don't even think about being on boards. Um, I know that that wasn't necessarily part of Um, My upbringing. And then, and then all of a sudden, when I went into the business sector, it it was in front of me. It's like, well, what does that even mean? And what would that look like? But, but I see the great need to have all of those um, different voices present. Um, as we're making decisions for companies, because companies help shape humanity moving forward. You know, we're thinking out generationally, particularly with some of our AI and tech companies, environmental companies, and other things. Um, and so, so I like that you brought that into this dialogue. And and one of the things I loved about your work is that you take some of these elements that we often see um, women doing or other individuals doing um, that that we would think would be really great, right? Like perfectionism. That was one that struck out, stuck out at me. Um, And there were others that a lot of times we pride ourselves on, but the end results aren't necessarily, um, don't necessarily lead us to thriving or to success or to accomplishing the goals that we set out to accomplish. Can you talk a little bit about these pesky little kind of traits that we do um, and how they backfire on us sometimes?
1: Sure. So uh, I have five of them. And as you said, they're, they're traits that are powerful, but they can backfire for sure. Um, so the first one is preparing to perfection, as you mentioned. And uh, of course, this helps us deliver excellence. It, it helps us, especially early in our careers, like be uh, a go to person for. Um, getting things done, getting things done in such a great way. But the, the way it can backfire is that it can be part of our identity. And then when we're faced with moving forward with imperfection or uncertainty, it can feel personally really stressful. And it can lead to a hesitation to make decisions or even to delegate to other people when we need other people's help. Um, and it, it, you know, expectations rise as as we have more time in our organizations, and we're expected, we're called on to move forward and and make choices with incomplete information. And that's really hard. it can it can fill us with being, you know, fearful and therefore hesitant. And you know, my metaphor is the mirror door. We reflect inward at the opportunity to make decision and think we're not ready to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can get tagged or perceived as someone who can't be a leader because we can't move forward, we can't decide, um, we're waiting for perfection, that is really a losing game because we can never always be perfect. But so often, we feel like that's what's expected from us, or maybe we delivered that in in our schooling uh, when it was hard work and a rubric and, and all of
0: that. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned the mirror door, and that's the name of your book, which which I loved. I I, I it was I got to a certain point in my career where, where I just had this aha moment. I'm like, I wonder if the glass ceiling is actually a mirror. <laughs> like like I'm really wondering about the internal reflective piece of this. And so so that was something that really intrigued me, um, and felt synergistic as I was looking through your stuff was was what is the cost to this internal perspective? And, and it's very valuable, right? In, in in your own development, your own evolution, the ability to look within and to um, kind of self-critique, if you will, to self-analyze um, is super helpful. But, but just as with everything else, there's a balance to that. And when we aren't able to sort of kind of see at, at, as outside, so within, as within, so without, you know, it, and instead hyper focus in any one space, because it's also detrimental to not have any introspection, right, and to not be able to kind of take a look inside. And so I really like how you're holding this is, is there's a place for all of it, right? We can we want to kind of cultivate all of these different aspects. But that can be hard when it's they seem Contradictory, right? So, am I supposed to think about myself, or I'm not supposed to think think about myself? And and the answer is yes, right? It's a yes. It's a both and. So, how do you work with students? How do you work with your your clients in terms of holding that balance, right? Because because obviously, we don't want to cultivate people who who aren't able to to see the reflections when when they're telling them something very valuable. But, how do you kind of I see it as sort of taking the reflection, integrating it, using it, and then and then moving forward with it and into the next space, right? And so how do you how do you work with folks who are trying to figure out that balance for themselves?
1: Yeah, it's such a great question because it you're right. It is balance. Um, so we don't want to be completely like blame other people, but we're out of balance if we're blaming ourselves uh, too, or or thinking it's it must be me. And I, I think that it's getting feedback, reflecting on what is realistic about this assessment. So sort of a, a, a check-in and maybe it's feedback. Am I ready to move forward? Um, I think so often we're in this overthinking mode. So some of it also can be, have I been obsessing about something that I said? Or something that I'm trying to figure out if I go forward with, if, am I overthinking to a point where I'm just not taking any forward momentum or any action steps? So, mm-hmm. so I think that self-reflection is realistically, what, what if I was ready enough to move forward? What, what does that look like? Ready enough to make a decision. So even just adding a word like enough, when we say yeah. I'm not ready. It's it's almost like a, a well. If you were, what would that look like? And if you did all those other things to help get you ready, would you really be that more that much more ready? So some of it can happen in a coaching conversation, but I think there's there's tools to get feedback to assess yourself, be to get get us out of a distorted view mm-hmm. that we're not ready or worthy or you know down a rabbit hole of rumination uh, and overthinking something.
0: Obviously, I have kind of a running or standing rule with our, our coaching clients. And it's that, you know, your all of your inner voices have to be willing to define their terms, you know, and, and so it's like, if it's I'm not, I'm not this, or I haven't done this enough, or all of those things, whatever it might be, it's like, okay, how would you know if you actually got there? Like, like, what does that look like? I, you know, I, I think back on my days as a counterintel agent, I led investigations against SCP, espionage suspects. And one of the kind of standing understandings that we had was you plan and you plan and you plan and you plan. But the second you get into that interview situation, everything's out the window because it all kind of changes right there in the in a moment's notice. And you've got to really be able to pivot and operate on the fly that the planning isn't to get it perfect. The planning is to prepare yourself so that you're prepared for the fact that it's never going to roll out the way that you think it is, you know? And and so so it can be frustrating if you don't, what I'm hearing and everything that you're saying is sort of keep this broader perspective, right? Is it's not, you're not, we're not operating in a vacuum. You know, there are all kinds of other variables to include other people, to include the the cultures we're dealing with, the, the companies we're dealing with, the situations, whatever they might be, there are variables that we cannot control for, and so there's a level of our own preparedness, and yet um, resiliency, right? Courage, um, a willingness to try things, knowing they may not work perfectly. You know, those are all really um, well cultivated traits that serve you in a variety of capacities. Um, and so I can see sort of a dialogue where you can leverage that planning for perfection in like a kind of an evolved aspect of that is, um, you know, recognizing that desire you have to create perfection for yourself, but, but also cutting yourself a little slack, right? Giving yourself a break and, and, and no one else is perfect either, right? And kind of having that wider scope um, of real that reality check, if you will does that sort of jive with what you're talking about
1: yeah it does and and i think another part of preparedness is self reflection and awareness of you mentioned the inner voices i think one of the things that i do with students or clients is you know what are the greatest hits that are those inner voices that are that you know and what what what's the one that's on replay when these things come up, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and how, how do you counteract that? How do you have something that, that disrupts that voice? And how do you know when you're in that moment? Like, okay, I've got the critics saying, who are you to do this? Mm-hmm. And whatever the counter is to that in your voice of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why not me? And And if I believe that, what what action would I take? So mm-hmm. I use that in a big way as I was writing this book. You know, I didn't have background in writing or that kind of thing. But, you know, who am I to write a book to? Well, I have a message to share that, that you know, could help people. And if I believe that, then what would I do? Get up early and, and write every morning or whatever the, you know, the next action that we could take. Uh, so let's so talk.
0: I, oh, go ahead. I stepped on you. Go ahead.
1: No, just you know, I, I like how you're thinking about it too, having this broadened view, uh, and then I would just add the importance of of being aware. Like, what's our go-to self-doubt mm-hmm. in a way?
0: Right, I mean, in our world, we we talk about our energetic systems and our programming, and and knowing the programs that you have installed, knowing how to kind of tweak those, and 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 so I like I like where you're going with that. You, you mentioned the process or some of the inner dialogue you had when, when going through the process of writing the book. What led you to writing the book? Um, what what was it about your work or, or your experiences where you finally got to that place of knowing you had a message to share? What inspired it?
1: I, I think for me, knowing that I there was something I was passionate about that I thought could help, and I think it was a combination of things, you know, starting with being the only woman on a couple boards and and being surprised that, oh, we hadn't made the progress that I thought that we would have. You know, that's how Mm -hmm. I started my career decades ago. Um, And then then coming into the women's leadership program and, you know, I had a, a notable moment where I was at the very first orientation and a female CEO told her story, opened it up for questions, and all the hands that shot up were from the men. And and Mm. about a third of the auditorium was women. And I know they're really smart, very accomplished, but they didn't raise their hands. And and as I met them, they're they're really amazing, but for whatever reason, awaiting the perfect question or answer, all those kinds of things. So that was one of the moments that led me into let me understand more about the research and you know finding out that happens across business schools and in other in science labs in other places too this this holding back when they're just as capable
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and so so i kind of had my idea uh, with passion and then i started to as i dug in started to see there's really something here. And it's, I thought it would be, it was a generational thing and maybe it's more of a gendered thing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, there was something we have ingrained in us that, that leads us uh, to some of these, some of these traits.
0: Well, and it's interesting because what I found um, too, is that, you know, a lot of it also is we can't discount the fact that, sometimes those spaces don't feel like they were made for us, right? Like like the, it's that balancing act of, do I want to speak up? I, I remember during my career in the military and government, I went and sought out a female colonel in the army because I'm like, okay, she's gotten to the rank of colonel. Like she's got to crack this code. She, she must have secrets that I don't have because I was on an all-male surveillance team. I was, you know, working in predominantly male situations. And even when there were other females around, the world we were in just, it it like felt like it just didn't fit. Right. And, and so, you know, I sat down with her and I'm like, look, here's the situation. Like, what did you do? Like, how did you reconcile this within yourself? And she kind of looked at me and she said, do you know how lucky you are to know where you don't belong? And I was like, wait, what? And, and, and she said, do you know, like what you're really talking about here? And I was like, shouldn't you be encouraging me to like you know, squeeze in a little bit more, or like shape myself this way, or something. And she's like, "This might not be for you, you know." And and what I was, what my, what how I was holding was like, it just felt abrasive, right? I'm like, I don't know that I want to compete. It, it felt like this sort of tit for tat kind of dialoguing. This this um i don't actually know where the derivation is of that saying so i'm gonna file that one away until i can look (laughs) up the etymology of tit for tat i'm not too sure where it comes to i'm not sure i want to keep it in my vernacular but it felt like this like these little competitive like and, and to speak up and i you know i think anybody would have told you that i was a pretty confident individual but it just got tiring it was like it felt like i was trying to play someone else's game and so i see a lot of us who opt out of those arenas. To me, it was like, well, I'll go make my own, right? And and it's that's valuable, right? It's valuable that we have female entrepreneurs that are starting up their own things, but it's also pulling us out of those spaces where our voices are needed, where we should be speaking up. But at times you're like, to what end, right? And that's not valuable either, right? To get to that place where you feel like there's no point or or I just don't have the energy to mold myself into this shape that doesn't fit for me. And, and so one of my passions is looking at those spaces and how we're cultivating spaces. And are we really setting up situations and cultures that invite other voices? Because it's one thing for us to say, we should be speaking up. And I agree with you. I think that's part of it, right? How we've been trained and how we've been acculturated, um, But, but some of it is, is like, do we really want to (laughs) like, like, but, but, but really? And so what, what do you, how do you address that?
1: Well, first of all, I think that many workplaces, if not most were created for a different employee population, like, like your situation. And I think it's entirely not helpful to say basically like, well, I got through it and you should too. You know uh, mm-hmm. and um, but I think that was the advice for a long long time and I, I think that women do opt out because it's sort of like is this is you know it's completely unattractive place to be mm-hmm. if that's what it takes and I think it's a very personal thing to figure out do you do you want to do you have the energy is this the time of your life to basically fight to change things. Maybe it's not fight, but it's, it's sort Mm -hmm. of like to endure and then make the rules that are more equitable or, you know, a place where other people, everyone can thrive. Um, or am I just not up for that? And I, I think that there has been, um, you know, as women opted out of the workplace or still do, it got lumped into because they had kids And, and, you know, that's actually factually not true because they've gone on to other things or worked for more organizations, more evolved or created their own. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think uh, you might have to ask me your question again (laughs) because I went off on some of the other things that you said.
0: Well, I'm not sure there was a clear question. I think I was kind (laughs) of on my own little rant there too. And and, and it's, and it's, it's a general sort of what, not what do we do? I think we know what we do. Because as you were speaking, what it reminded me of is like in all honesty, when people sort of let their guard down and and, and get real with each other, it's not like most men like the environments either. When you said it these environments were made for a different type of employee, I think it was a caricature. Like it was a it was a an avatar, like we wanted robotic like people who could do and be competitive but, but for the most part, I don't know that anybody really loves it. In fact, there's a lot of men opting out, you know, saying, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and so I think we're talking about actually something that's much bigger, even than the conversation with women, perhaps we we get to, to be credited with, with saying that we felt it first. I don't know, but, um, but I'm not sure a lot of the work environments and, and and perhaps the pandemic helped to shine a light on this more than anything. I'm not sure a lot of the work environments really work for most people. Um, and I don't think it's easy to say, oh, it's just, they were made for white men. They may have been made by white men, but I don't, I'm not sure that any of them, you know, if you get them alone and get them quiet and get, you know, have a one-on-one conversation, I'm not sure any of them love it, you know? And so it's, I think what perhaps we're looking at this an evolution of change. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess. I guess. What's your take on that piece of it?
1: Oh, I I agree, and I think that the work culture or that out of date work culture is not what most people want. Um, I think it was very hierarchical and maybe more of a fit in the industrial age. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when, you know, workers and homes just looked different and roles, you know, were very different um, with men and women uh, as well. And I, I think that the good thing of the awful pandemic is that it, it exposed um more humanity and more, you know, it's obvious that we're real people, but it 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 came to life when you see kids or um you know uh, pets walk across behind us uh you know on our Zoom screens and, and things like that. Um mm-hmm. I, I think this hierarchical out-of-day culture, this like command and control kind of thing is, is not enough. And, you know, I, I say, take care and take charge. Like when I sign my mm-hmm. books, I write, take care and take charge. Cause I feel like that was this take charge one way of doing things. And we need much more collaboration and compassion mm-hmm. that is the take care. And people want to have leaders who take care as they, you know, of the environment or of, of the employees, that you know, it's not just about shareholders, um, as gotcha. in the as in the past. Um, and it's it's the best leaders can do all those things. There's there's a time to be you know in charge and and a crisis management of you know high control or that kind of thing. But most of the time, we need really a mix of those things. And I mm-hmm. I also think that's the mix of the feminine and the masculine you know, a bit more that's a bit more stereotypical, but I think those things make it better for everyone. Because in, in some ways, even though it it can feel like, well, it's on women to change things, men want change too, but they mm-hmm. also uh it, it's it's hard and risky for them to voice these things in, in a way it's it's harder for them in a man up culture, mm-hmm. um, depending on the on the organization. But um, so I, I guess I'm adding my rant to that too.
0: I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, and 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 the synthesis in this folks, as we talk about the superpowers of successful women, I think what we can make note of is is perhaps now is the time, right? Now is the time to say, hey, have we considered this? Hey, have we thought about this? And no, it's not all on you, um, but you may be the one. Uh, you know, position and access, or placement and access, right? It's a big term in the government. Like, like if you're the one there and you can see it, and this goes for men and women and everyone in between. If you can see it, it may be you. A- a- and do you have the courage to say? And do you have the skill set? Have you cultivated the skill set within yourself? To communicate that in a way that's not abrasive, you know, that that doesn't lay blame, but rather says, "Hey, maybe we can do this differently. Um, maybe we, you know, have we tried this, or, or have we thought about the ramifications of continuing to do things in this fashion?" Um, and, and that collaborative culture, right? I do believe there's a receptivity right now. There's certainly an awareness to some of these conversations that that haven't been present in the past. Um, you know, I'm I I go all the way back to the '90s, teaching critical race theory and and misogyny and all kinds of other fun things. And and we're seeing a receptivity now that we haven't ever seen, at least in most of our lifetimes. And so, it it is ripe. The cultures are ripe to to introduce new things. Certainly, there's a backlash. Certainly, there are are places that want to kind of hold on to to the structure as it was. But it's not unheard of. For, for people to 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 counter that and there are more effective ways than others to do that Ellen um as as part of your work in this mirror door concept um what can we offer to women who who know that like are they're ready right they want they want to step up in a different way they want to lead in a different way perhaps they are being called into a leadership position and they want to do it differently um what advice do you have for them in in terms of, countering some of those internal pieces you've identified um, in being really um, productive and effective in, in these leadership roles. I
1: I think so much of it is um, around communication and showing a different, like, I, I think you can model a different way, but I also think there is a connecting in with your team so say if you're talking about a, a leader who's going into a new organization, I I would connect with as many people as you can one on one. Ask them, you know, why they're here, like what mm-hmm. they're up for, how do they want to work, what are they worried about? You know, so- sometimes I I have found some of the power of questions, and you know to for any leader that goes in to, to ask people what do you hope I'll do and what do you fear I'll do?
0: A fabulous question. To
1: understand what's really on the minds, not what's mm-hmm. like written as a formal objective. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what what really um is important to people and what are their concerns so that you can you know help them get get past them. How how can you clear you know, whatever obstacles are along the way. So ah, um, engaging in conversations um, and tapping into, you know, it's, it's stereotypical, but tapping into the care that you have for other people or um, for the organization, for the team. So to me, that is a way if, if you're, you know, like one of the other um, Traits is eagerly pleasing where you're so focused on other people, but not enough on yourself. It's finding that balance, but also then tapping into your care for the the greater good of the team, the organization, and other people, which kind of fits with that, but tap into that to raise conflicts, to say what needs to be said, to have the courage to, to set boundaries and say no when that's that's you know you have an overflowing plate or you know ask for help and those kinds of things. So um, I, I think it's around communications, powerful questions, getting really good, getting good at giving and gaining and getting feedback in a world where feedback is so hard and and mm-hmm. generally very vague and many <laughs> times subjective. Uh, so those are a few things that come to mind.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. In in intel, we called it rapport building, right? And it's, it's yeah. relationships, relationships, relationships. And I do think that that's one of the biggest shifts that we're seeing in corporate cultures is it used to be like you, you didn't, right. You didn't develop relationships. Everybody was sort of a cog in the wheel, but, um, and there certainly are boundaries like you spoke to, right? Like, like if you're the leader, You're the leader. And sometimes you have to make really tough calls and that can be challenging, but it doesn't mean we can't be relational, right? We don't need to be transactional exclusively Um, developing those relationships. You'll get a lot more information from people. People will be able to, they'll feel like they can share with you um, and and sort of holding your space as a leader um, and inviting in that feedback from others is really important um, if we're going to change the way things get done. Ellen, I love your work. Um, I I, I love the title of your book. I I like that you're pointing out these things that you know, a lot of us have spent lifetimes trying to cultivate within ourselves only to find out that they don't always work out the way that we think that they should, um, really valuable stuff. And I appreciate, um, your journey in this process, because of course you can only teach what you know and, 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 and live for yourself. And so thank you for that. Um, folks, check out her work at Ellen Tate, E-L-L-E-N-T-A-A-F-F-E.com, um, or, or get the book, uh, The Mirror Door and and learn for yourself, right? What, male, female, or however you identify, these are traits that serve all of us. And the more that we cultivate these within our work environments, our home environments, our living worlds, um, the better off I think we're going to be as a humanity. Ellen, thank you so much for your work.
1: Thank you, Tonya. Enjoyed our conversation.
0: Brilliant. So did I. And for those of you out there, thank you for listening. As always, Um, You can go to superpowerexperts.com if you want to get the first portion of that Master Your Personal Power course. It teaches things like communication, right? How do we do this in a different way? Um, You can download that for free if you go to the courses tab there, Um, or the Energetic Sensitization course that SIFA core classes, where you can learn how to harness your energetic system, how to reprogram yourself, right? So you Feel more confident so you can really stand in those energetics. Make sure you go and check those out again at superpowerexperts.com. And until next time, folks, thank you for listening. We know that the network is where it's at because of you. um, And we appreciate you for that. I saw something the other day, I think we're almost at 2000 episodes, which is pretty brilliant uh, for the network. So we appreciate all of your love and support over the years. Um, Until next time, remember who you are, folks. We love you. Love each other. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to SuperpowerExperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.